1 Timothy chapter 2. Preachers should spend a lot of time reading 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. The Apostle Paul is writing these epistles to young men who are engaged in preaching the word. Valuable instruction is conveyed, not just about delivering the message, but living the message. However, it would be a mistake to think of these epistles as if they are limited in application. Subjects are treated which need the attention of every child of God. Subjects like character, modesty, family responsibilities, guarding against false teachers, perseverance in persecution, and prayer. And that brings me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so the question that is the subject of this sermon is, what does the Apostle Paul want us to know about prayer? Let's have this page open in our Bibles to answer that question. What does the Apostle Paul want us to know about prayer? 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. First, he wants us to understand all that is involved in this, and a number of terms are used, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Each word used by Paul, given to him by the Holy Spirit, helps us understand what is involved in this. Supplications, translated request in the New International Version, or entreaties in some of the older translations. It assumes recognition of need. When we first become Christians, and then as we live as Christians, there must be this sense of need, that we are not complete without God, and that every legitimate need we have, He is able to respond to. Prayer springs from that sense of need and requests God to respond to those needs by His power and through the perfect wisdom of His will. Next, there is the term we are familiar with, prayer. That's the general term for all our communication to God. It should amaze us, even if we've known this for a long time, God is willing to hear us. He could have made the choice to forgive us, but then after that never hear from us. But instead, he made the choice in his grace and love to forgive those who trust and obey Christ and then through Christ to listen to us, to hear us. We can speak to God. Now, look at this word intercessions in the New King James the NIV and the ESV, intercessions. This means to live in such a close communion with God, you are able to speak to him about others. 
being confident to speak to God about the needs of others, to petition God for the needs of people you know and perhaps people you do not know. The classic biblical example of intercession would be Moses in Exodus 32. He urged God not to use his anger to invoke justice against Israel. He did not make his appeal based on his righteousness or the righteousness of the people. He made this appeal based on the mercy of God. And we are able, through Jesus Christ, to appeal to God on behalf of people who may not be right with God. We can converse with God about people we love. What a valuable blessing that we can ask God to reach those people through the gospel and help those people. Then Paul says, and giving of thanks. Prayer can exhibit our selfishness, our propensity to complain, our desire to have things immediately, but let's think about this. Put reverent caution and thought into your prayers. Prayer doesn't mean only asking God for things. It is also about thanking God for things. Not only are we able to ask God, we must find the heart and discipline to express gratitude to Him for what we have. If you are a regular viewer, a regular listener to these sermons, you may remember my strong suggestion a few weeks ago about a gratitude list. There is never a time when there isn't anything to be grateful for. Sit down and take the time and be prayerful to God about that list that you've made of things you are thankful for. So Paul wants us to know what is involved in this matter. He uses these terms, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks. The question is, when I pray, do I give good balance and attention to these aspects of prayer? Does this passage describe what I'm doing when I speak to God? Second, Paul wants us to understand that prayer should be made for all men. Now, this is actually a theme in the New Testament. These two words, all men. God so loved the world, that is, all men, that he gave his only begotten Son, all of humanity. Jesus came to die for all, all of humanity. The gospel was designed for all people and is to be preached to all the world. So it just follows we are to pray for all we are to pray for all men, all human beings. Let me mention, this was not welcomed instruction for many people in the time of Paul. It was common among the Jews to refuse to pray for Gentiles. Among the Gentiles, there may have been a similar attitude toward the Jews. Today, we may find it difficult to pray for certain people, but this is clear enough. Paul says we are to pray for all men. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, pray for your enemies. We must use the example of Christ and the discipline of the word within us to reach a place where we have this attitude when we pray that causes us to want to pray for our enemies, for all men, pray for sinners. Now, such prayers do not automatically save sinners or convert enemies. 
but we can ask God to give them another day to learn, to be moved by the gospel, to repent and become Christians. Are we praying, as Paul describes in this passage, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks? Are we engaged in this communication with God, including praying for all men? Then let's observe, Paul specifically says, for kings and all who are in authority. Do you know who was over the Roman Empire at the time Paul wrote this? A man named Nero. Uh, He turned out to be not so friendly toward Christians. In fact, he instigated a long and hostile series of persecutions against Christians. So there would not have been a natural, emotional inclination to pray for this man. Paul said, pray for all men. And then he added for kings and all who were in authority. This would not only be Nero, but local officials who had authority like Herod. In the Old Testament, both Jeremiah in Jeremiah 19.7 and Ezra had commanded the Jewish people to pray for their conquering heathen rulers who took them into captivity. It is typical today for Christians to not agree with governing leaders, presidents, governors, Congress, and even entertain very passionate opposition to civil authorities. We have become a very expressive and loud political people in some mediums, especially through social media. Believers must learn to respect the offices of civil government. While it is not required, we agree with everything they say. We are to obey the governing authorities and pray for them. Notice this important phrase, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The Apostle Paul believed that prayer could make a difference in our daily existence, wherever we live. Yes, there are policies and laws and plans we don't like. There are events that affect us over which we have no control. There are wars and economic instability, the spread of diseases, but prayer can make a difference. Let righteous people pray privately and join in prayer and pray in our homes that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life. I believe I can say without any doubt that our brethren south of the border are praying this way. Christians in China, in Zimbabwe, in other places where Christianity is not welcomed, they pray this way on a daily basis, and we should pray for them in the same manner. Paul believed prayer can make a difference. And this prayer for peace has this purpose, not just so we will not be troubled or bothered. The purpose is for us to be able to freely live in all godliness and reverence. That's important. It is not that we just don't want trouble. No, we want an atmosphere that is conducive to the practice of godliness and the exhibition daily of reverence for God. Are we praying as Paul describes? We cannot leave this out. The power of prayer lies in the one we're praying to. 
God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Faithful Christians will never argue that because they are such good prayers, they have peace and blessings. The power lies in the one we are praying to, God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You want a reason to pray to God? Aside from the natural desire to communicate with the Father and obey the commands to pray, this becomes a great motive, who we are praying to. The God who desires all men to be saved, the God who wants everybody to know the truth and obey Christ. If someone is not saved, it is not because of God. God desires all men to be saved. If someone doesn't learn and obey the truth. It's not because of God. He desires all men to learn and obey the truth of Christ, to be saved. This is the God to whom we pray. We've read what Paul wrote on this subject, and I've taken us through this passage. Only one question remains, is this what I'm doing? Could be our prayers become mechanical and routine over time. Instead of speaking to God through Jesus Christ, we are just repeating words we've heard and we've used before. There is the common temptation that virtually turns prayer into something like a fire extinguisher used only in time of emergency or individual need. I want us, I'm asking us to listen to Paul. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The question is, is this, written in 1 Timothy 2, 1-4, is this what I'm doing? That's the question we can take from this study. And if we have helped you in some way, or you want to request our help in some further way about matters biblical, please leave a comment, send us a message, visit our website, and let us know how we can help. Thank you for listening.